0: Listener Production. Hello, Sasha Barbara gatt with you for The Briefing. Now, today is a really important day in the US presidential election campaign. It marks the official start of what's called the caucus process, where voters in individual states vote to endorse a particular candidate. Iowa is first. So it means everyone's watching closely to see who emerges as the frontrunner and that is expected to be Donald Trump.
1: If Trump gets convicted in one of his trials over the next nine months, then, yeah, that, that will, I think that will make a difference in the general election. But it ain't hurting him in the primary, I'll tell you that.
0: That's coming up in the second half of the episode. But first, Benson Seabird is here with the headlines. It's Tuesday, January 16.
2: Hey, Sasha. So three new party drugs have been found on Australian shores for the first time. Workers at Canberra's Can Test discovered the substances in June of last year, and now research by the ANU has revealed their compounds that mimic MDMA and ketamine. Experts say that the concern around these drugs is that little is known about them, but we do know that relatives of these compounds have caused overdoses. The other big concern with this discovery is is the possibility that these drugs are circulating in other states, and it's almost impossible to find out because pill testing is only legally available in the ACT and Queensland. This all comes as a teenager continues to fight for life after overdosing at Hard Mission Festival in Melbourne a little over a week ago. Eight others who were also hospitalised following overdoses have now been discharged.
0: Yeah, and it's worth noting, Bensian, that HEAT is expected to have played quite a big role in these overdoses at Hard Mission. However, that doesn't negate the fact that pill testing has been proven to change young people's drug-taking behaviour. There's been heaps of research into it overseas where pill testing is much more widely available. And look, on the issue of pill testing, once again, I think that these... This research showing that we've got these new substances doing the rounds that people are taking and not knowing what's in it. It just goes to show how important a role drug testing and pill testing can play. Uh, Both New South Wales and Victoria have had the coroner recommend pill testing trials. Neither state has taken that up. Uh, And in terms of our attitudes to pill testing, there was a 2019 survey done and it was the National Drug Strategy Household Survey. And it found a majority of Aussies were in support of it. So it kind of begs the question why is there no movement on this by state governments to introduce pill testing. Another U.S. ship has been targeted by Houthi rebels in the Red Sea. The U.S. military has confirmed an anti-ship ballistic missile struck an American-owned and operated container vessel that was flying Marshall Islands flags. There have been no reports of damage or injuries on board and it is continuing with its journey. Uh, and U.S. Central Command also confirmed on X that it had detected another missile fired at commercial shipping routes in the Red Sea earlier in the same day. Uh, but it hadn't made an impact. The Yemeni-Houthi movement has said it's going to expand its targets to include US ships. So a spokesperson from the Iran-Allied group uh, told Al Jazeera that the United States was, quote, on the verge of losing its maritime security. Pretty strong comments and yet another escalation of conflict in the Middle East at the moment.
2: Absolutely, and we just hope that all of these... Uh, escalations in conflict don't lead to a major war in the Middle East because at the moment we've got Israel in Gaza, Israel against Hezbollah and the United States and the UK, among others, with the Houthis in Yemen. So things are heating up and hopefully they don't get too hot. Australia's three richest people have increased their wealth by $1.5 million a day since 2020. That's according to new Oxfam analysis that claims that Gina Reinhart, Andrew Forrest and Harry Triggerboff have more than doubled their wealth since the pandemic hit, while everyday Aussies are struggling with the basics. The Human Rights Group is stepping up its pressure on the federal government to scrap the Stage 3 tax cuts as part of wider calls to implement inequality-busting tax reforms. Oxfam is also calling for a progressive wealth tax of 2-5% on Australian multi-millionaires and billionaires, which could net $32 billion a year, and a permanent windfall profits tax on big corporations, so that when crises hit, corporations can't profiteer like some did during the pandemic. It also wants to see an end to fossil fuel subsidies.
0: And this all comes as business elites gather in the Swiss resort town of Davos for the World Economic Forum. Now, Bensian, you're a big economics nerd. Tell us what the significance of that is.
2: So, basically, Davos is where very, very wealthy and very, very famous people go to talk to each other about the world and the economy, and often this is framed as how are we going to make the world a better place in kind of the the uh, rhetoric around it, um, and often it's just Um, Very, very rich people talking about very, very rich people. Um, Now, speaking of very, very rich people, I just want to remind everyone in case anyone has ever forgotten Gina Reinhart's 2012 video where she mentioned the fact that according to her African workers were working for $2 a day, and this was an argument suggesting that Australia's economy was not productive or competitive. Let's hear a little bit from that video now. Furthermore, Africans want to work, and its workers are willing to work for less than $2 per day. Such statistics make me worry for this country's future. So some pretty cringe comments from Gina that, unfortunately for her, I will never let anyone forget. And just briefly, the Australian Open is underway in Melbourne. Australia's Storm Hunter won through. So did Alexi Popperin, Jordan Thompson and Alex Dimonor. Six Australians are in action today.
0: Yeah, big time for Melbourne at the moment with the Oz Open on. And I've just got to say, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Alex Dimonor this tournament. Uh, for the first time since 2006, we have an Aussie man in Dimonor in the ATP Top 10 International Men. So it's going to be a really exciting tournament for him. A lot of Aussie hopes riding on his progression through the AO. Hey, Vencian, thanks so much for joining us today for the headlines. Next up is my chat with Chaz Lichardello about all things Iowa caucuses.
1: These caucuses are your personal chance to score the ultimate victory over all of the liars, cheaters, thugs, perverts, frauds, crooks, freaks, creeps, and other quite
0: nice people. That was former President Donald Trump talking at a rally in Iowa over the weekend. And that is where the 2024 race to the White House is kicking off today. The upper Midwest state hosts the first caucuses of the presidential election campaign. And Donald Trump is hoping to secure enough votes to force his rivals to pull out of the race. On the other side, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley are out to put a dent in Trump's momentum. So, why is Iowa so important and what makes it such a significant state? There's no better person to ask than Chaz Lichardello. He's the host of the ABC's Planet America, which is a deep dive on the people, issues and politics driving America. Chaz, thank you so much for joining us on The Briefing today. Why is everyone talking about Iowa? The reason
1: everyone's talking about Iowa is because Iowa is the first state to actually vote in any way, shape or form in the Republican race. And Donald Trump has been so far ahead in the polls until now, if he wins in Iowa by a very large margin, like the polls appear then people are just going to say, this is over. This is over before it even began. Let's all give up. Let's all go home. Let's get out of the snow. And that will be the end of the Republican primaries. So this is a very important contest for that reason. But people people who don't want Donald Trump are very much hoping that the result will not be what we expect it to be, according to the polls.
0: Yeah, so it is looking pretty heavily in favour of Donald Trump at the moment, isn't it?
1: It is. Donald Trump's ahead by by 30 points in a lot of polls. In, in some polls, it's as little as 25 points. That's still a lot. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, now Donald Trump is well ahead at this point in time. But, and the biggest problem is it's not just that he's well ahead, but he, both his competitors, uh, his main competitors, who are Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, they keep on just edging ahead of each other and they're competing against each other rather than competing against Donald Trump, and those two can fight amongst themselves as much as they like, there's no second prize. So unless one of them gets close to Trump, then it is over.
0: Could you explain to us the difference? You mentioned it before about the primaries. What is the difference between the caucuses and the primaries?
1: When we talk about a primary, we're talking about basically an election, uh, just simply amongst the Republican candidates to decide who the Republican nominee will be. When we are talk about caucus, it has the same effect as a primary, which is you're choosing the Republican nominee for that state, but it's a little bit different in that it's not a vote. It's kind of you gather in, say, a school hall or a or a church or something like that, and you literally argue with each other for a while for like an hour and then at the end of result at the end of those arguments you then all go to different corners of the hall to represent who you support so there'll be a Trump corner there'll be a Haley corner there'll be DeSantis corner so it's it's kind of like almost like choosing a basketball side in this in a school in, in a school gym it's very weird
0: yeah, it's kind of another one of those examples where you sit here in Australia and you go, it all just seems a little bit weird. What have we learnt from previous caucuses that we could glean from the ones coming up? The most important thing we've learned from previous caucuses
1: is that Iowa generally is very cold and this, this week will be no different and the only people who bother to show up at nighttime. Uh, like eight o'clock at night and who are willing to stay there for two or three hours, which is what it requires to go through the whole process, are people who are really, really invested. And so the people who win in caucuses tend to be the people whose supporters most adore them, number one. And number two, who are most organised, the people who beforehand have organised with all the people who are going to show up and say, you know, make sure you turn up and they, and they might even bust them out themselves. There's no limit to how organised you need to be to get your people out. And so the people with the best, what we say, ground game tend to be the people who win. The reason that's important is because the peers like Ron DeSantis has the best ground game. Now, he's 30 points down from Trump, so that might not make any difference. But don't be surprised if Ron DeSantis does better than 30 points behind Donald Trump because of background ground game.
0: Will the candidates, so Haley DeSantis and Trump, be in Iowa for any of this? Is this kind of part of their campaign where they're going out and speaking to people and meeting people? Or does it kind of happen and they're just doing their own thing?
1: To be honest, I'm not sure if all three of them are going to be in Iowa on the night. But uh, I, I very least know Ron DeSantis is definitely going to be. And I think Nikki Haley is. I don't know about Trump. They, they, certainly, they certainly don't have to be. It's They can't caucus themselves. And there are literally thousands of these town halls happening around Iowa. So there's not much point going from Uh, Basically, the only reason you'd stay there is because you're snowed in. There's no reason (laughs) for you to be there. But they, they might just hang around anyway just to find out.
0: Yeah, look, Donald Trump has already been suggesting that the process could be corrupt or rigged. Now, as you've mentioned, votes cast on paper. They're counted in these town halls and meeting rooms. How thorough and secure is the process?
1: Well... It's ridiculous to suggest that it could be rigged for the reason I just told you before. They literally stand in groups. It's very hard <laughs> to rig a vote when there's people standing there in a corner. <laughs> so, nah, there's no, there's no way this has been rigged at all. He says everything's rigged. <laughs> I guess that's just the way he works.
0: Speaking of Trump, obviously, we have to talk about the various trials and criminal hearings that he's currently facing are they likely to have an impact? That question seems to be asked in Australia a lot. Well, hang on, he's facing 91 charges and all these indictments and people are still going to vote for him to run for president. Will we see an impact in the Iowa caucuses?
1: If there's an impact, it will only be a positive one for Donald Trump. That is the perverse nature of Republican politics in 2024. That If the man is coming to get you, that means the man really wants to stop you, which means we should vote for you even more, even harder, twice if we could. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's not going. To, that's not going to hurt him at all. Yeah. Um, I, I suspect that the 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 major issues when it comes to his trials are going to be the general election. If Trump gets convicted in one of his trials over the next over the next nine months, then yeah, that that will, I think that will make a difference in the general election. But it ain't hurting him in the primary. I'll tell you that.
0: Do the Democrats do the same thing? Is it a, a total political across-the-spectrum sort of deal that happens in the US elections?
1: Theoretically they do, but when you've got an incumbent like Joe Biden, who's the president, there's, he doesn't really have any serious competition. He's got a couple of also-rans who are running against him who you won't have heard of and no-one cares about. Uh, so they're going to have their primary competitions as primaries as well, but Joe Biden's not going to campaign. No-one's going to care. It won't be covered in the media. And he'll win you know, 85% of the vote, and the other 15% will be the ornery types who just want to protest. But uh, we, we won't be covering it, but it does happen, yes.
0: I traveled recently and I met a lot of Americans while I was away. And across the board, there was this sense that Donald Trump was the incumbent, like it was going to happen. Step us through what kind of happens after this. It's an election year, obviously. It's all going to start ramping up from Iowa. Like, this is the start. Talk us through the process from here. And also, I'd love to hear your prediction of what you think is going to happen this year.
1: Okay. Well, we got we got Iowa this week. Next week, we got New Hampshire. Then there's a two-week break. And then we have South Carolina. And that is generally what most people think is going to be the actual... Final stand of Nikki Haley. I, I, unless Ron DeSantis does something incredible in Iowa to, uh, tomorrow, then he's pretty much done because he he cashed all his chips in on Iowa and he hasn't done as well as as he was expecting and hoping, uh, and he hasn't invested anywhere else. So unless he unless he basically either basically ties with Trump or beats Trump tomorrow, he's done. Uh, and then it's down to Nikki Haley who may beat Trump in New Hampshire. She's, she's gained very close to Trump in New Hampshire. South Carolina is our home state. At the end of South Carolina, she's either basically drawn level to, to Trump and then we have a contest or Trump has stayed 20 points ahead of her, in which case it's over. Then you have a break of another two weeks and then you have what they call Super Tuesday where there's like 13 states or 14 states all at once and then it literally is over if Nikki Haley hasn't kept up with Trump at that point in time. And then they'll still have the primaries, but it'll just be a coronation. So the so the sting of the primaries will be over at that point in time. We'll be talking about Trump and the nominee after that. And the, the process will go for another two months, but it's going to mean nothing. What we'll be focusing then on is Trump's trials, which are the first major trials, the January 6th trial and that depending on what happens with some Supreme Court appeals, which I won't go into because I'll bore you, um, (laughs) it's either going to be in March, April or May, I would suspect, and that's going to be the big trial. Then uh, when that's over, the convention is going to be in July, I believe. The convention is when for both the Democrats and the Republicans when they officially endorse their their nominee with a huge razzmatazz party at a convention centre and an arena. And then the election is on uh, until the, until November. And in terms of predictions, I'm pretty sure Trump's going to blow DeSantis and Haley away. So um, he's going to be the nominee for Republicans. Joe Biden will stay the nominee for Democrats, albeit both of them are about 150 years old. So we'll see if they <laughs> keep their health until November. Hopefully. Uh, and if they do, then it's going to be between those two. And if I was... What I tell people, I mean, it's really silly to make predictions at this point in time because there are events yet to come which are going to make a huge difference, in particular Trump's trials. What I tell people is if Trump's found guilty on any of these trials, he's going to lose. If he's not found guilty, he's going to win. That's my prediction. So we'll see.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, this year is a huge year for US uh, politics and no doubt we will be calling you constantly to get the updates and to get us across all of the different developments. Hey, Chaz, thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing today.
1: No problems. Anytime.
0: Chaz Lichardello is host of the ABC's Planet America, a deep dive on the people, issues and politics driving America. You can join us again this Salvo from 3 when we take a look at an incredible story of a man who spent three years living in a dementia unit to learn as much as he could about the condition. And before you go, if you would like to get in touch with us here at The Briefing, maybe you've got an idea for an episode or you'd like to have your say about something we've covered, just go to our Instagram page and send us a message. It's as simple as that, The Briefing on Instagram. And that's all we've got time for today. I'll be back in your feed from six tomorrow morning with Antoinette Latouf. Listener